I'm Kellen. It rhymes with melon, and you're listening to the Kellen It Podcast. surprised by it. (laughs) I think it's like 11 days from the day that this podcast episode is going live. And yeah, I don't know. I still have Christmas shopping to do. I'm so bad. Every single year, I'm like, I'm going to do it on Black Friday. And then Black Friday comes around and I don't do it. And then I'm always stuck the week of Christmas trying to find something last minute and trying to find something that can ship last minute, which isn't much. So hopefully you're not like me and you have your Christmas shopping done and you are ready to celebrate. Also, I think it's wild that 2020 is almost over too. I feel like, I don't know, this year has obviously been a weird year, but I don't know. I feel like it was just yesterday that it was New Year's Eve and I remember being so excited for 2020 and we were all like, oh my gosh, it's the roaring 20s. It's going to be the best ever. And like everyone had Gatsby themed parties. And not this year. This year's going to look a lot different. I think we can all celebrate the fact that 2020 is over. Thank goodness. But I don't know. I think we're all a little nervous for 2021 still. But hopefully, like mid-2021, things will be a little bit more normal. I think we can all agree that the holidays in general just feel weird this year. I talked about it a little bit on last week's episode, but it just does not feel the same. I'm not going home to see family this season, which is like weird because I've spent every Christmas with my family, I think ever. So this is just weird to me. So since I'm not traveling, I still want to get in the holiday spirit. So I've made a big effort to try and shoot a lot of fun holiday content around the city. New York City just does an incredible job decorating. I mean, if you just walk down Fifth Avenue in Midtown, everything has Christmas decorations. And I was picking out like spots to do these holiday shoots. And I was like, oh my God, I could literally go anywhere in the city and take a photo. And there's going to be like Christmas decorations in the background. So it's very, very festive. I highly recommend visiting New York City during the holidays another year. Obviously not this year, but maybe next year or whenever you get the chance. It is very magical. And I think it's up all of December. I'm not sure how long it goes into January, but anyways, it's beautiful. And I've just been really excited to create some fun content. I wanted to do this last year, but since I was going into the office every single day and commuting, I just did not have that energy on the weekends. And on the weekends, it would just be so crowded because there were so many tourists and just a lot of people at all of these attractions. And this year, it's a lot different. It's very empty. I've had so many people message me being like, are you okay? Like, is New York City dead? And while it is a little bit more empty this year, it's not dead. (laughs) I actually shot in Midtown, like by Radio City, Rockefeller, all of that 
on a Saturday during like 3 p.m. So the middle of the afternoon and it was so crowded. We were just like trying to scoot around people and get these photos shot. Um, I usually try to shoot in the mornings as well. So I did a video at Bryant Park and people were shocked at how empty it was. But also that was at 7 a.m. on a weekday. So of course there was no one around. Um, I'll say a lot of bloggers in general tend to shoot in the mornings just to avoid the crowds. And luckily for me, this year it's extra empty. So I've been doing a lot of shoots at like 9 a.m. and it's still so empty, which is nice. I've been able to get some really cool shots without people in the background. And also with COVID, I just feel like it's better for me to shoot when there's not that many people because I do take my mask off for a lot of the shots and I just want to be distanced enough from people. So shooting in the morning is ideal for me. I'm talking a lot about content, um, specifically holiday content, but I thought it would be cool to do a podcast episode all about content creation and just my perspective on being a quote-unquote influencer slash blogger slash content creator, whatever it is you want to call me. There's just so much that goes into it, and it does consume a lot of my free time, so I figured I should do a podcast episode about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into all that, though, just a quick life update. Jake and I are moving apartments. It's happening on Saturday, so it's coming up pretty soon. We're packing all of this week, and our apartment is just covered in boxes. I mean, our apartment, I think, is like 350 up to 400 square feet. We never got an official measurement from the property management, but it is tiny. And so trying to fit boxes of stuff, I don't know. I don't know how this all fit in here, but adding boxes to it is just making it even worse. I'm just really bad at packing for trips in general, much less packing to move when you have to pack everything, just because I'm so bad at like prioritizing and being like, okay, I'm not going to use this for the rest of the week so I can pack this. But then certain things like dishes, like hair, beauty, shower stuff. Like I don't want to pack that up yet because we're still going to be here for the week and we need that. And ugh, it just stresses me out. And then we're working still. So it's just like we're surrounded by all these boxes and our walls look so sad and plain. And I don't know, but I guess that's the joys of moving, right? <laughs> this weekend, we got to go to our last brunch, a restaurant in the Upper East Side that we always said we would go to, and then we never actually did. So we were like, we are going to go before we leave because we're probably never going to come back. I mean, we're going to come back to the Upper East Side, but not as often. So we went and got brunch and supported a local restaurant, which is really, really important right now. Unfortunately, a lot of the New York City restaurants, or I guess all of them, are closing down their indoor dining starting today on Monday. They're still doing outdoor dining as well as takeout, but obviously that limits the amount of people they can serve. So we did do indoor dining for the first time and the last time this weekend. Last time until, I don't know, when things start improving, I guess. But it was really nice, and we had pancakes and eggs and hash browns and bread, and it was really good. And we kind of walked around a little bit, and it just made me sad to leave the Upper East Side. I'm not going to go too deep into it because I already talked about this, but I am just sad to leave this area because it is so cute and family-friendly and just, like, very safe, and I'm just so familiar with it after being here for two years. I guess I'm just nervous to go somewhere else. 
we are moving to Hudson Yards and it's just a very different vibe in the city. I feel like the Upper East Side has a lot of like small family owned mod pa shops, whereas Hudson Yards has a lot of office buildings and sky rises and they're constantly building new buildings over there. So it's just a very different vibe. There's not as many like small restaurants. There's a few, obviously, but not as much. So it's just going to be like a different situation. Overall, though, we are stoked to move. We are stoked to have a bigger apartment, more space, especially working from home. We are so excited for the view, having big windows, closet space. We've been sharing one closet the last two years, and it's been a nightmare. I had to get a clothing rack, and it was in our living room, and it just did not make sense. So we are very excited. There's like three closets that have holes for clothes, and then there's like another closet with just shelves for stuff. So I'm very excited to actually have some storage space. And we're most excited, I think, about the balcony and just being able to go outside and get fresh air, which is so rare in New York City. I mean, there's air everywhere, obviously, but like when you're in a tiny apartment, you have to go out on the sidewalk and then hopefully you'll live by a park or something where you can go and distance enough to take off your mask. Otherwise, you're wearing a mask the entire time when you're outside. So it is nice to have this balcony now during COVID. And balconies are just fun to have anytime anyways. So it'll be nice to have like during the spring and summer. We can eat outside and drink outside and host people and have a view of the Empire State Building, which is like an absolute dream. So this is my last podcast that I'm recording in our tiny apartment, currently sitting on the floor, surrounded by boxes, looking at our brick wall. And I am kind of sad we're not going to have a brick wall anymore. I feel like that's such a New York City apartment aesthetic. And I've loved having it. It makes the decorating very easy because you don't have to do much. There's just brick walls and it looks really pretty. Um, But yeah, I am kind of sad. And that's pretty much it on that. I don't want to go on too long. So let's get to the quote of the week. This one is from Susie Kasim. And her quote is, Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I love this quote. I've seen it so many times, but every time I see it, it just makes me think and be like, you know, this is so true because I think so many people have dreams and what kills those dreams is not failing those dreams, but doubting them and just never pursuing them. So it's always so important to at least pursue your dreams. Yes, you could fail, but Not pursuing them is the bigger failure because you'll never even know. And since this episode is a lot about social media, content creation, I really appreciate this quote because I doubt myself so much when it comes to social media. Like when I post a story, I'm questioning like, oh, this might be annoying. Like, am I being annoying? Is someone going to be annoyed by this? Or is someone going to misunderstand what I'm saying and get mad at me? And overall, it would just be so much easier to not post on social media and just be done with it and be like, you know what? I love this. It's very dreamy. I'm very passionate about it, but I don't know. I'm doubting myself, so I'm not going to do it. Like if I went that route, I would never know and I wouldn't be where I am today with it. So because I'm passionate about it, I'm going to keep doing it and see where it takes me. I honestly used to avoid at all costs talking about being an influencer slash content creator, whatever, just because I was so scared of people's judgments. And just in general, I feel like when people hear the word influencer, there are usually mixed reactions and they tend to be negative. 
So I kept my social media presence very low key. And I still do that to an extent, especially like at work, at the office with coworkers. I just never really brought it up to people unless someone like asked me what my Instagram handle was or something. Um, I just am pretty low key about it in general when I first meet someone. Um, But I am becoming more confident in it and I'm not as afraid to talk about it anymore because, again, it's something that I'm really passionate about and it makes me happy and I could talk about it for hours if someone were to ask me about it. So I'm going to talk about it, not for hours today, but just a little bit to explain my perspective on it and just give some insight on it. So today I want to chat about my experience being an influencer slash content creator, my creative process how I grew on social media, brand collabs, how much money I make, really all of that. So to begin, what is an influencer? I actually Googled this to get a definition, and the internet says that an influencer is someone who influences others to make decisions. No surprise there. Um, These decisions are usually related to purchases, and influencers share products and brands that they love and that they think their followers will also enjoy. They also create content or photos for brands that the brands can then use in their marketing efforts. And brands hire influencers to sell product, create content, or create brand awareness. Every brand has different reasoning behind this. And I think that the term influencer has taken a negative connotation over the last few years. Um, I think people are very quick to roll their eyes or make a joke about influencers like hashtag ad (laughs) and I'll be honest there have been moments where I even roll my eyes at others or myself and I have been learning over the years that you cannot please everyone and I respect the hustle of it so when I see someone posting an ad I respect that I think that's awesome and they're getting paid to do that so that's pretty dope (laughs) I'm going to go more in depth of this but I hope that this episode kind of shows you that there is more to being an influencer than just what you're seeing on your social media feeds it's a lot more than just posting a cute photo and sharing the links to buy your outfit so I guess I'll get started with where I began So I actually started in content creation because I was signed as a model, a fashion model, at a modeling agency while I was in high school. And during that time, I was able to work with a ton of creatives. So photographers, stylists, hair and makeup artists, boutique owners, all sorts of creative people. And I loved how passionate everyone was to create beautiful photos. And I want to note that this was before, way before influencers were even a thing. This was when Instagram like had just launched and people were using Instagram to post photos of their sunset view or their nail polish color. And it was just a very simple time. People just used the filters that were on Instagram. And so when I was creating these photos with these people, It was really for portfolio purposes and also for brands to use. Like that was it. It was really for ads or for our own use. And now that has changed and brands are actually shifting their marketing dollars towards influencers rather than going through a modeling agency to hire a model and then finding a photographer and renting out a studio space and hiring stylists and makeup artists, hair artists. All of that gets very expensive for a brand just to shoot a photo. So it's actually saving brands money by instead outsourcing this to influencers to do on their own. 
and I'll go more into this, but these are reasons that influencers are able to charge brands for their services because in a way they are saving brands money. So it's very important that they're charging because influencers are finding outfits, buying outfits, styling it, buying hair products, doing their hair and makeup, buying camera equipment. Maybe they're renting out a studio space, hiring a photographer, whatever it is, these things do add up. And that is why influencers get paid to create the content that they do. So I loved shooting content when I was in high school. And when I went to college, that did slow down because I was no longer near my modeling agency, nor was I near any modeling jobs. I didn't have a car and I was in a random town in Indiana compared to being near Chicago where there were a lot of modeling gigs. So I kind of slowed down on that and decided to take this more of a personal route. And I actually did get random brands reaching out to me to do gifted collaborations where they would send me apparel in exchange for photos. And I had just joined a sorority at the time, AOPI, and a few Greek apparel brands would send me free products to shoot. And it was fun because I would just grab some sorority sisters and we all love taking Instagram pictures anyway. And we would just take photos with the clothing that they sent us. And obviously at the time I was a freshman and I was new to Greek life. And if you've ever been in Greek life, you kind of understand when you first get your letters, you are like obsessed and you just want everything to have your letters on it. So I was truly in love with this. And I thought it was so cool that I could get free products in exchange for taking photos that I was probably going to take anyways. Now, none of that was paid, but again, I thought it was fun. And also during my freshman year, I started my blog. I began as justmelon.net because I always say my name's Kellen. It rhymes with melon and Kellen Melon was not available at the time. So the domain website suggested justmelon.net and I went with it. Obviously now my website has changed to be kellenmelon.com, which I love. I've always wanted that domain. I finally got it. Very excited about that. But yeah, no, that was kind of my freshman year of college was adjusting to college lifestyle getting to know my sorority sisters, working with brands already to just create content for Greek apparel. And also I started my blog as a way to write personal stories about my college experiences, also just as a way to keep my family up to date on what I was doing. I'd say during college, I probably had around 3,000 followers on Instagram, and that was mostly just people from high school, from the modeling industry, as well as college friends. You just meet so many people on college campuses. And I was 100% that girl where when I was at a party or a darty and I just started talking to a random girl in the bathroom line, whatever, um, I would always get their Instagram handle. And I've actually made a few college friends that way. So I just always was connecting with people on Instagram. And I feel like that's how I've met so many of my greatest friends. So after I graduated college in 2018, I started my big girl job in fashion buying. And I love that. But I also still love the idea of creating content for brands. I just did not want that to consume my life. I feel like I really needed a break from nine to five to not focus on social media. So that's why I pursue my career in fashion buying because it's something I'm passionate about and I still get to work with brands and shoot content on the evenings and weekends, which is a perfect mixture for me. So once I graduated and I started getting a salary, I invested some of that into buying the Adobe suite so I could have Lightroom. I also bought a Canon camera, which is the same one I have. It's a Canon Rebel T7i. I love it. 
And I also started buying some lenses. And I really started planning and putting more intention behind my posts. And there was a lot I did not know. And I still don't know. But at the time, I was just so excited about it. And I was living at my parents at the time in the Chicago suburbs. And I was actually starting to get invited to events in Chicago, like blogger events. And I thought that was so cool because I was able to go to these really cool events and network with and also meet other bloggers. And then after six months of that, I took on a new role at a new company here in New York City. So I moved to New York and I think I was around 6,000 or 7,000 followers on Instagram when I first came to New York. And I hit 10,000 followers like a year and a half after that. I hit it this year in 2020. But New York City was just so exciting to me as a creator because New York City is just full of creative people. I feel like everyone in New York City is here for a reason and they have a dream that they are pursuing. So it was just really nice to be surrounded by people who are very like-minded and very self-motivated and they just have a dream that they're going after. Before COVID, here in New York City, there were tons, I mean tons, of brand events. Um, I would get invited to a different event almost every single week, and I thought these events were so fun. Uh, There would always be like free food, free drinks, whatever, and it was just a really cool way to network with the brand itself and get to have some face time with them because that could potentially lead to paid collabs later down the line. And I was also able to meet other bloggers, which was so fun. That's how I met one of my good friends. And I worked full-time, obviously, so I wasn't able to go to all the events because some of them were hosted in the mornings or afternoons when I was working. But I did go to a lot of the night and weekend events, and it was so fun. I'm looking forward to going back to those post-COVID, but I'm sure things will be a little bit different. I will say, though, as I started to get more familiar with other creators in the city and I got invited to more and more events, I started to pick up on the fact that not everyone is as they appear online. So I saw quite a few bigger bloggers at these events who actually looked really miserable and annoyed, and they were just on their phone the entire time. And then I would see them like snap a quick picture or video or something, and they would leave after like 15 minutes of being there. And if you've seen the Netflix show Emily by or Emily in Paris, I feel like they portrayed this very well. Obviously, it's dramatized and a little bit more dramatic than it actually is in person. But there's a scene where Emily's at an influencer event. And I think it's for like a makeup brand. And all the other girls are on their phones and they have like selfie sticks. And they're just like recording themselves doing stories or whatever. And They're making it look like they're having so much fun, but it kind of zooms out and you realize everyone is just on their phone talking to their phone and no one's talking to each other or actually enjoying the event itself. So obviously that was a bit more dramatic, but that's kind of how these events go sometimes in a way. It depends on the event again and the brand and what influencers are invited, but I did kind of pick up on that. So when they did that in Emily in Paris, I thought that was very funny. So anyway, that takes us to now. I am continuing to work with brands and I'm learning more as I go. I'm not perfect and I still make mistakes, but I am very proud of my dedication to content creation and it's a very rewarding side hustle slash passion of mine. And in terms of growing on social media, I am not an expert at it at all. I mean, as anyone, the algorithm is always changing, but 
I grew from like roughly 3,000 followers to 10,000 followers over a three-year time frame. And during that time frame, I lived in three different states. And I feel like I was able to grow this way by engaging with other accounts, meeting people in all these different states, of course, at different events and meeting up with local bloggers, doing different brand collabs because sometimes those brands post you on their feed and that's how people can find you. And then also I would do the occasional giveaway. And when I say giveaway, I have never done one of those annoying big loop ones where you enter to win a MacBook or a designer bag by following 40 accounts. (laughs) I will never post a giveaway like that. Please hold me to that. Keep me accountable. But those types of giveaways are annoying to me because the odds of you actually winning are basically 0%. And those giveaways are strictly for the bloggers involved to get followers. And I'm not throwing any, any shade to the girls who do that. Like you do you. It's not for me though. Um, And fellow creators who are listening to this, just please be very careful and picky about who you do giveaways with. Engagement rates are key right now. And if you get a ton of spammy bot followers, your engagement is going to drop and brands will be skeptical to work with you or pay you for campaigns. Brands are smart. They have a lot of software now that will tell them how authentic your following is, and they can see like big jumps in your following numbers when you're doing these giveaways. And again, they can see how authentic or inauthentic that is, and that will determine whether or not they want to work with you. So having a giant follower count but low engagement is not the goal. At least that's not the goal for me. My goal on social media is to create a community on Instagram of people that I relate to and that relate to me. And I go through several times a week and I remove spammy looking accounts from following me because yes, you will get random bot accounts that follow you, but you have the option to remove them. You have to do it manually. And yes, that does lower my follower account. But again, that's not what motivates me. What motivates me are the people who already follow me and already support me and listen to my content like this podcast, aka you. And I prefer to do one giveaway every couple of months. And when I do a giveaway, I prefer it to be done over stories with a few creators that I love and also have similar content to me that I think you would enjoy following as well. And I also love being able to collaborate with a brand to do a giveaway because who wouldn't love to give away free product? But I just wanted to note that because giveaways are very prevalent right now. I've been seeing so many loop giveaways with the holidays right now, and it can be a little annoying. So I just wanted to note that it is very important to be picky with your um, giveaways, especially if you are aspiring to be a creator. This is one of the most important things. I've seen it so many times where someone enters a loop giveaway, they get a ton of followers, but then their engagement drops to like nothing. And that's very hard to bounce back from. And again, brands are very smart. They can literally click on your followers, scroll a little bit and see a ton of spammy accounts. And they also have software that tells them how many of these accounts are real authentic people and how many are not. So just make sure you're being honest and authentic as you are growing your Instagram. And it's a very, very long process, especially if you are doing it the right way. 
but just stick with it because long term, it's going to be so much better to have a real audience of people that you know and relate to compared to an audience of people who aren't real, like accounts that people aren't even seeing your content. So just wanted to note that. So now I want to talk a little bit about my process of shooting content. So the first step is I plan out the general concept of the shoot. I'll decide on the outfit, the location, pull some pose inspiration. Sometimes I make PowerPoints of this so I can visually see it and organize it. Or sometimes I make mood boards. And then other times I just do it in my head and just have a general idea of what I'm looking for. And I shoot with Jake, my boyfriend, most of the time. And before COVID, I would shoot with fellow blogger friends. And then lately, I've also been working with photographers. Um, My current photographer that I am using, and I actually do a monthly partnership with her, is Shelly. She's amazing. And she helps me crank out roughly four outfits in one hour. She has a pop-up pod, so I'll just bring all my outfits, pop up the pod, change, and we just do four outfits in an hour, which is so amazing. That's so efficient, and it's just ideal right now, especially during the cold winter months because I don't want to have to ask Jake to go outside with me in the freezing cold to shoot content. Obviously, it's like something I'm passionate about. He's not as passionate about that. So I shoot on the weekends and I am working a lot with Shelly now as we get into the colder months, which is amazing. And during the weekends, I try to shoot one to five photos. It really depends on whether I'm catching up and I have a lot of content due or if it's just for fun. And then I do take some weekends off. So for example, in December, I shot a lot of content the first two weekends, but this weekend and the upcoming weekends, I'm not shooting at all. I actually have all of my content shot for December and I had it all shot by like the second week of December. So it's kind of nice to batch content that way because since I'm moving and right now I just didn't want to deal with needing to shoot content on top of all of that. Also, I wanted to note that shooting content in New York City or I guess most cities is so much more difficult than shooting in the suburbs, like where I lived before I moved to New York. So before, I used to just get in my car and drive to shoot spots all over, and I would change in the car and put all my outfits in the car. Very convenient. But that is not the case in New York City. So if I'm shooting, I walk to the location or I take the subway. I try not to Uber because that does add up. And when I'm doing that, I'm also carrying all of my outfits and my shoes in a bag or sometimes I use a carry-on suitcase. And then we would shoot an outfit and then I would have to find a public restroom to change in. This was mostly pre-COVID. I haven't tried that yet uh, during COVID. Um, But that's why it's nice to work with a photographer because they usually do bring those pop-up pods that I mentioned. And it's like a little tent that just pops up. You jump inside, you change really quick, and then you go to the next location to shoot. And it's very efficient to do it that way. And that's how I am preferring to do it, especially during the colder months. But yeah, I wanted to mention that because I always see other bloggers like in their cars changing outfits and stuff and they're doing stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is such a luxury. So if you have that, be thankful because it's a hustle trying to shoot content in the streets. Also, there's just always people around and construction and You might not be able to shoot at the spot that you had picked out because it's suddenly under construction or there's a truck parked in front of it or there's a crowd of people standing there. So you have to be very flexible. On the bright side, I do get my 10,000 steps in during the shooting time on shoot days just because of how 
much I am doing and walking around. So I guess there's pros and cons of shooting in the city. So yes, I'm very lucky and blessed that I have options for photographers because I know that can be one of the first hurdle that you have to jump over when you are first starting out your social media channels and trying to figure out how you're going to shoot all these photos. So if you're in that boat and you're just starting out, you can always try asking your roommates, your family, friends, significant others, or you can look up local photographers. And you can also find fellow bloggers and just like exchange and take turns shooting so you both get content done. Or you can actually get a tripod and shoot by yourself. And the tripod shooting is something that I really strive to do one day. I would love to be able to wake up early, just take my tripod with me, and then get some shots done when no one else is around. Um, My issue right now is that I have a very heavy camera lens, and it does not stay on my tripod. I have a very flimsy, cheap Amazon tripod that was like $15. It's really for an iPhone, not an expensive camera, and I would just be nervous it would like fall over. So I need to invest in a legit, outdoor, sturdy tripod before I attempt that. But I want to give kudos to anyone who does do that because sometimes it takes a lot of guts to get out there by yourself and shoot content because you will get weird looks from people. But I've seen people do that around the city and I don't even bat an eye. Like no one even looks at them because in New York City, you just see so much stuff all the time that seeing someone take photos of themselves is just the least weird thing you could see. Okay, so once the content is shot, I then edit it in Lightroom on my MacBook. And then I plan out my feed and just make sure I like the order of everything. If it's a sponsored or brand post, I send the content as well as the caption for approval because a lot of brands want to see exactly what the photos look like and what your caption is before you post it. And sometimes brands ask for a reshoot if they don't like the content. And that has happened once to me and it is very annoying and time consuming. So it's very important that you read the briefs and make sure you shoot everything how the brand wants it the first time. So once that's done, I then research hashtags to see what's relevant and how popular these hashtags are, who's using them. And then I make a list of hashtags to include in the comment section. And then I also look at my analytics to see which days and times based on when my followers are most active to post. And then once I post, I add the hashtags in the comments and then I engage with other accounts for at least 30 minutes after posting. It's very, very important that you do not post in ghost. The Instagram algorithm really wants you to be social because it is social media. So definitely go and engage with your friends and whatever. Again, it's social. This should be fun for you. And then I also make an effort to reply to all of my comments as well. At the end of it, though, I would say it each post takes roughly three to five hours of time if you add up all the planning, shooting, editing, posting, engaging, etc. And that's why I found that it is so important to negotiate payments with brands, not to mention the cost of buying outfits or props, traveling to locations, paying for camera equipment like lenses or tripods. Um, possibly investing in photographers or Lightroom. So it's just very, very important that you are getting paid for your time. I think that's a good segue into talking about brand collaborations as well as payment because I feel like everyone wants to know how this works. So I would say roughly 50% of my brand collaborations come from the brand emailing me directly. Roughly 40% come from influencer platforms. And then the other 10% come from me actually pitching the brand myself. 
And I'm honestly still not sure how brands find me directly, but I'm guessing it's through like hashtags, tags, geolocations, probably like a software that they use or maybe referrals from other influencers or other people in the industry. So that's why it's very important to include your email in your Instagram bio so that these brands can reach out to you easily while they are on a computer. And the influencer platforms that I use the most are Aspire IQ and Obviously. These two platforms have paid the most and they help connect brands with influencers and they also streamline the entire process for you. And then when I go to pitch a brand, which again is pretty rare, it's maybe 10% of my collaborations, I use a generic template that I've created and it just quickly explains who I am and what I want to create with them. And then I include my media kit and my media kit is a PDF that I've created and it lists a lot of my analytics for all of my social media platforms, analytics about my audience, as well as a list of all the brands that I have worked with in the past that I think are relevant for me working with this specific brand. So that brings us to the question that I feel like most people care about and not enough influencers talk about, and that is how much do I make? Well, obviously this is an annoying answer, but it varies from post to post, but I'll say in 2020 alone as a total year, I've made over $10,000 through my social media, even with the pandemic and the shutdown for a few months. The majority of this income for me comes from brand collaborations and a small amount is from affiliate links. So commission when someone buys a product that I link. And this is all again on top of my full-time job. And I'm sure I could make more and do more and make more content if I had the time to do so. But again, I work full-time and I'm very happy with where I'm at. I really do like this breakdown of my life right now. And I'm also insanely insanely grateful for everyone who chooses to support me, like my posts, DM me, etc. I'm also so grateful for all of these brands who decide to work with me and allow me to share their products with my audience. And it just means a lot that I've also been able to make friends this way and build a community and just have fun while doing this. And I wanted to say I could not do any of this without you. So thank you. I also feel like people want to know general rates. And again, that varies. I can say my highest paid collaboration in 2020 was $1,300 for one Instagram Reels video and three stories. So $1,300 for all of that in total. And I typically charge between $350 up to $550 just for an Instagram post. And that's kind of my initial rate, but it does vary for the brand, what they're looking for, the timing of it, etc. And I also do brand collabs on TikTok, which is obviously a newer platform. And my highest paid TikTok collab was $600 for one video. So I highly, highly recommend getting on other platforms if you haven't already, because influencer marketing budgets are very real and brands are spreading that across different platforms. I also almost always negotiate on the first rate that the brand offers to me. There have been so many times that I've doubled a rate just by asking the question. And I know it's scary to ask for more because I am very grateful when a brand offers to pay me for a post. And so I do feel a little selfish when I ask for more, but it's so important. And not just in the influencer world, but in general, just in the general workplace 
women are usually a lot quieter about asking for more, whereas men typically do when they're negotiating salaries and whatnot. And that does contribute to the wage gap. So women listening to this, do not be afraid to negotiate your rate. The worst thing that can happen is that the brand says they don't have the budget for it, but you still get to move forward if you feel like it's a good fit. You won't lose the collaboration. They're not going to be mad at you for asking. Just ask the question. And when you ask the question, also share more reasoning behind why you would need more. So I tend to mention the costs that go into creating the content. For example, you might need to pay a photographer so that you can have these images to share with the brand. Or maybe you need to buy props so you can get this really cool shot that you have in your mind. Or maybe you need to go buy an outfit or do your hair and makeup. And again, just remember pre-influencer times, brands would use this marketing budget to hire models, hairstylists, stylists, makeup artists, all of that. That gets expensive. So don't be afraid to apply those costs into your rates. Also, just consider the amount of hours that you're going to spend on this collaboration. And at the very least, you should be making minimum wage at the end of it. (laughs) Also, you can negotiate using factors such as your follower count or more importantly, your engagement rate because showing a brand that you have an authentic audience that actually engages with you and buys your product, that is amazing. A brand wants to know that you can actually drive some sales through this collaboration. Also, I know I'm like all over the place right now with these negotiating tips, but things just keep popping in my head. Timing can be a negotiation factor. So if it's holiday season and you have a full content calendar, just creating holiday content and working with other brands, you should charge more for those time slots because you don't want every single post in December to be sponsored. So you should charge more so that you don't have to overwhelm your followers with sponsored content. Also, if it's a rushed thing, like they want this photo from you in one week, like if you're like me and you work full time, that is a very difficult task sometimes. I like to ask for a minimum of two weeks. So you can negotiate either on the timing and be like, I would need another week or you can offer a rush fee by saying you can shoot the content by the date they need it by, but that you would need a higher rate in order to do so. I also wanted to note that I do still believe in working with small businesses or brands that I absolutely love, even if they are unpaid. Um, Especially with small businesses, they usually don't have the budget to pay you. And if it's a small business that you really love and you love their product and you would buy it, Absolutely. Don't feel like you need to get paid to do something for a brand, especially as you're just starting out too. It is good to get experience and also build these relationships with brands. I don't think I got paid for a collaboration until I had around 6,000 followers. And even then it was a very small rate. So don't feel like you need to start making money off the bat. Um, But again, just know your worth and do not be afraid to ask for that. And paid or unpaid, you should still only be working with brands that you actually believe in and you support and you love. So with all of that said, I wanted to end this episode with just general tips and advice related to social media and influencing. Tip number one, if you are wanting to start, then start. (laughs) Do not wait until things are quote unquote perfect or until you have the best camera and equipment and presets just start and then you will learn and adjust as you go. I've been doing this for a few years now and I still have so much to learn. The second tip is that make sure you are doing this for the right 
reasons. If you only do this to make money, you are going to burn out so fast and lose motivation so fast. I've been doing social media for six years and I'm just now starting to monetize it in a meaningful way. But if you're doing it because you love it, paid or not, you're going to be so successful. Tip number three, be patient. As I said, it takes a lot of time and hard work. You have to be very, very dedicated to creating quality content and just know that you are not going to hit 10K in a year. Not if you're doing it authentically, that is, unless you somehow go viral on Instagram, which is very, very hard to do. If you've done it, let me know your tips. (laughs) Tip number four, stay true to yourself. Post about brands and products that you actually love or that you think your followers would find useful. And don't just post something for the paycheck. It's very obvious when someone is posting something they or their followers would never use. Tip number five, do not compare yourself. Do not compare your content. Don't compare your growth, your engagement, or your brand deals to others. Everyone has very different audiences and content, and everyone is at a very different place in their journey. And my last tip is to keep it fun. Social media can become a dark place if you let it. So take breaks if you notice that it's becoming a negative space for you because this should be fun. Okay, I hope that this episode was helpful or insightful in some way. Let me know if you liked this one and maybe I'll talk more about content creation and go more into depth in future episodes. Also, since this has become a bi-weekly podcast, this means you will not hear from me until after Christmas, if you celebrate Christmas. And in that case, that next episode will also be the last podcast of 2020, which is crazy. So since you won't hear from me, I hope that you have an amazing holiday season. I hope you get to relax, spend some time with your loved ones, and reflect on all the things that we have to be grateful for this season. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, 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 oh,